Hey everybody, this is Allison Summers. Just a reminder that Michael and I are not experts, we're not doctors, we're not scientists, but uh, we're just speaking about sobriety through our own experience. So take it, leave it, do what you want with it. We're also not affiliated with any uh, programs about sobriety that have anything to do with that. So enjoy the potty. It's the Sloppy Sober Podcast with Michael Yemen and Allison Summers. Let's get sloppy. Welcome to the Sloppy Sober Podcast, episode four. Wow, Yes, four. episode four. Hi, Allison. How are you? Hi, I'm good, Michael. How are you? I'm good. For all our new listeners, I'm Michael Yetman. This is Allison Summers. Hi. We host the Sloppy Sober Podcast. Allison, what is the Sloppy Sober Podcast for our new listeners? The Sloppy Sober Podcast is a chit-chat about what it's like being sober, what it's like being a creative person, or wanting to be a creative person, and... Uh, just the idea that, you know, all of these experiences that we talk about are very personal, but also very much the same. Yeah. And so our hope is that you don't feel so alone, get some good ideas. No, <laughs> no, that's not, not, I don't, I don't know, know if we want to plant ideas no, for no. people, but maybe open the conversation for yeah. a few people. Maybe let somebody explore a thought about themselves they never had before. Yeah. My hope is that you don't feel so alone and that if you need help, you are able to reach out for help, I think. I love it. I think my uh, one thing I take away always from hanging out with you and talking is, and I hope is important to people, is the different types of sobriety or the path to sobriety. We have different experiences, different backgrounds, uh, and yet here we are, two sober people trying to exist. Trying. trying. So desperately <laughs> to exist. I'm trying to exist. <laughs> I'm existing. I guess. Sometimes I wonder. I'm like, am I real? <laughs> yeah, do you have that? <laughs> you wake up in the middle of your night and you're like, what, what's happening? What's really happening here? Am I a simulation? Is yeah. this a simulation? But I think that's because you said that to me early on, is that you fucking feel everything now. Yeah. Does that make you feel a little off foot? It makes me feel uh, very strange because I feel everything and sometimes I feel nothing. And sometimes I feel this like really like heaviness. I felt it when I was in Sedona, which is supposed to be like a very like light and like energetic place but when I was there I just felt so there was a point where we were like driving and I was looking at all this like beauty and I felt so low and there was no reason for it and in the program that I work you know people just talk about like sometimes you just have to like sit in those feelings and I just was like I hate this I hate that I I'm with like two people that I love so much that we're in this like beautiful place. I'm very fortunate to be here, and I feel I'm assuming depression. I don't. I I don't know. You know, I have no idea. That's something I feel like you can feel in either state. So like, um, mm-hmm. there would be times when I was drinking or I was high where I would feel incredible, obviously. But then there's other times where I'd be in that moment. And I'd be with people. I'm having. I'm supposed to be having fun with these people, and, and I can just feel myself like. not connecting withdrawn like pulled away and i wonder i wonder when you're sober if that feeling feels heavier because there is no edge to take off or what that is because you're right when you're when you're somewhere beautiful and you feel bad it almost feels worse yeah it was it was just very it was 
it was very strange and I don't know it could be hormones you know mm. like I have I have no clue um but just uh and, and the battle of like I shouldn't be feeling this way right. which is like my therapist is always like don't <laughs> but you know one of my very good friends who's been in the program a long long time he said baby uh alcoholics are just born with a broken heart wow right is that a country song it should be also uh something about the way people say things in like a folksy manner mm-hmm. almost makes them feel more important oh yeah this guy is very much my my friend that i'm talking about he's very much the guy from uh big lebowski the the oh. he is uh the guy with the the Black Samuel, uh, what's his name? Oh, no. Uh, Sam. I can't. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But he's got the, he does the Ford commercials and all that. He's got he's, the mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. He's he's a real life. Miho. He's the guy who does Eho from. Uh, uh, no clue what that is. It's from that movie with Patrick Swayze, Roadhouse. Oh. He's like, come on, Eho. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in a long time, so. Uh, whenever I think of Roadhouse, I also think of Porky's. I feel like those two are the same movie and completely not the same movie. Not to go too far off topic, but yeah, I think they're shot similar. All those movies right. in that era yeah. were like kind of shot the same way. Well, they're not the same movie. They're not, not the at all. <laughs> um, yeah, you just got back from Sedona. You're out in the desert. Do you feel refreshed? Do I do you feel, feel good. I feel great. I mean, I also feel like, did that happen? Again, my brain is so weird. That's the, that's the desert. The desert people are different. I think yeah. the, the desert makes you different. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a wonderful time. I feel I feel really good. It was nice to hike and uh, be with my girlfriends. So that was that was really lovely. Good. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad you're back safe in Nashville. Um, and how how are you feeling? Let me ask you this, because uh, you remember when uh, I berated you on podcast number two, <laughs> and you've been on a bunch of shows lately. So how have you been feeling about that? Let's just check in there. So, um, yeah, after you verbally assaulted me and um, broke my ego down and, uh, you know, really gave me the what for, I I did. I did a series of shows and I do feel better. I will tell you that the first couple after that, I was maybe overly conscious Mm. and um, almost to the point where I was kind of not cold, but definitely like not as gregarious as I would tend to be but I had more time to sit down with my material which was nice because that's my favorite part about going to a show early mm-hmm. is I like to write in my notebook a little bit kind mm-hmm. of just feel the room out and just kind of hang out I just enjoy comedy the the scene the room the environment so it was nice to kind of go and have that mindset of being like I'll talk to people if they come up but I don't need to go out of my way mm-hmm. and that all culminated into my most recent show where I felt at home, I felt comfortable. I felt my set was okay, mm-hmm. but my material is becoming like I'm. I feel like I'm less patterning myself to try to fit in with the room, and mm-hmm. I think that's coming through in my material. So it's good. I don't know. I still. I also feel like people. I'm figuring out who wants to talk to me. Yeah, which is nice too when I'm not out there engaging with everybody, mm-hmm. because I pay attention to what everybody's doing. Genuinely pay attention to everybody. So it's easy for me to go and be like, hey, how was the tour? How was this? How was that? Because I genuinely care and I'm interested. But, you know, they see me once every few weeks or whatever. So I'm not top of mind to them like they are to me. And it was nice to put myself in that place to be like, 
be a fan, and when they talk, you'll have something to talk about. So I'm good. Okay, it's a that's process. Nice. Okay, good. <laughs> but I also have stopped um, getting high before shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, smoking in general, I have. I'm actually in a weird. Uh, I wouldn't say full DTS, but I'm definitely in like a dopamine dump right now, um, which is great. Mm-hmm. In that uh, I was prepared this time for it. So you stopped smoking. Um, so my approach now is I am not actively seeking out smoking. What does that mean if it seeks you out? If I'm in a situation where I, I know this sounds, this sounds like I'm like making an excuse. No, no, no. I'm just like, wait, what is actively not seeking it? Like, so rather than me being like, well, it's Friday night. I got nothing going on. I'm going to go buy some weed and come home. It's more of like, let's say my wife and I are in Colorado on vacation. We've gone out for the day. We're coming back to our room and we want to do an edible, the two of us, just mm-hmm. the two of us, whatever. That feels passive. Like it's not me seeking it out all day mm-hmm. long, thinking about it, like thinking, looking for my opportunities to do it or mm-hmm. making it a part of the things I go do. Like it used to be a part of going to a show was I'm going to get a little high at the show. It used to be, I was going to do the show and then get high. Mm-hmm. Then it became, I'll get high during the show, like, you know, whether it's in between comedians or whatever. Then it came, I had to be high before the show for the length of the show. Uh-huh. And while it didn't really totally destroy me as a comedian, it definitely affected my performance. So I became too uh, inconsistent I and I started metering that lately. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that I don't want it out of my life because I don't have a, a problem with like needing it all the time mm-hmm. or anything. And I enjoy it for what it could be. But if I don't actively pursue it, I, I notice I'll go weeks and weeks without it. If I don't think about it, mm-hmm. if I just do my life, if I'm, if I have something to do, which yeah. I have plenty to do, then I don't actively seek it. But if there's a downtime and it's available, I'm going to allow myself that freedom to not chastise myself in having it responsibly. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't also do like what I used to. That makes sense. And I feel like that is a good segue. Like when you have something to do. Yeah. Well, that's what we want to talk about today. Um, So have you been productive lately, Allison? Yes. um, I I feel like I'm, I am productive. I have a full-time job and I also consider comedy a full-time job. Mm -hmm. So I have two full-time jobs and so that alone, doing both of those, doing shows, working on new material for comedy and doing well at my full-time job is being productive. Um, I feel like productive can mean so many things. It can be like cleaning my home. It can mean like just not doing anything also. I agree. I That's actually a really good point to make to that. I I have this belief system that I used to think I was always productive and I would love to hear your take on this. But when I was really in the depths of drinking and whatever, I realized recently I felt productive because I was really lowering the bar of productivity, right? What it took for me to be productive, right? So if I was, if I was drinking, I would go do a show, maybe write some new material, like a joke, you know? And then I was like, I got, I got work done today. I'm, pretty productive. I went and did my job, got mm-hmm. hammered at dinner with the boys, went and did a show and wrote a new joke afterwards. That's a pretty productive day. And then and you're like, is, that's though, a lot of, of hours though. There's a lot of hours unaccounted for. 
it is but that's still kind of productive but yeah i mean but i i see for me there's more hours in the day now to do things because I'm not hungover right. and I'm not wanting to die because I feel so <laughs> terrible. Like that, that is truly, so, you know, part of getting sober for me and still is like, what do I do with this time mm-hmm. that I have? Because if I don't, what I found is if I don't do something, most of the time I'm getting to a point where I can just like sit and read or just, go on a walk which is really nice but if i am in my head too much that's a problem so i'll listen to um you know a podcast or something like that so i don't think too much that's interesting i wonder how much of that correlates with a lot of people of i will get into my head quickly too and it's not silent in there Mm -hmm. and i'll overthink constantly if Mm -hmm. i allow myself too much time to meander in my Mm -hmm. own head yes same with social media i try not to be on social media too much i don't even follow a lot of people because i don't want all that in my feed so i just am too afraid that i'm gonna get bogged down and yeah it's actually okay yeah that's very interesting because that was one of the first problems i had when i stopped drinking was I didn't know what to do with myself Mm -hmm. because I would do the normal stuff that I would do that I would get accomplished. But then after that, I would have all these hours in the day. Yes. How did you, when that happened, when you started entering that world, what was your... Yeah, so that was a huge, that was when I first got sober, I was was staying with my parents because I was doing IOP and... Um, what's IOP? Uh, intensive outpatient. Okay. So it is rehab and, um, some people go to rehab and then they go to IOP. It so it's like, uh, alcohol school kind of, and you have to take drug tests every day and it's, it's shorter and you go and you learn about alcoholism. Same as you would in rehab. You're just not staying at the facility, but you have to go there. Um, I think I went three or four times a week. I did it for two months. Some people do it for a month. But I was I was staying with my parents because I lived in Atlanta at the time. And I was staying with my parents and I would leave IOP. I think we got out at like noon or one. And then I'd be like, because I was on FMLA or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for my job. So I wasn't working. It was the first time since I've been like 14 that I wasn't, didn't have a job. So I would just remember sitting on my parents' back porch, just smoking cigarettes, being like, what am I going to do? Because I didn't, I didn't do anything except for sometimes I would go to like improv and like do improv in Atlanta. But most of the time I just drank and smoked and go to bars and like chat with people, whatever. So I went to meetings. That is the only thing that I knew to do. So I would go to meetings two, three times a day. Really? Every single day. Every single day. Because I had no idea what else to do. Did that, that, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but did that affect how you viewed your process then being in those meetings? What do you mean how I viewed my process? I mean, you're doing IOP, you're doing rehab, but then you go to these meetings and I mean to to like kind of quote my dad to some extent, but like someone's always got it worse than you. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
Oh, for sure. Now, I had been going to meetings on and off for six years. Oh, okay. And before I even got sober at this point. Like, I was in and out of the rooms. But <clears throat> the IOP woman was like, you have to get a sponsor or you can't stay in IOP. Because I was like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. Mm. She was like, you have to. And which I think that now I'm like looking back, I'm like, I didn't have to, (laughs) but I did. So I, so people that are still in the rooms today will talk about what I was like going in. I literally would wear my hoodie over my head. I would sit there with my arms crossed, like closed off a fucking just brat and just listen to people. And it wasn't even that I was thinking about people having it worse off than me. I was just listening and people say like, look for the, um, similarities, not the differences. And I would be like, that's me. Oh God, that could be me. And so I really started to understand that like, I truly am an alcoholic and I, because there's so much hope in the rooms, I'd be like, okay, I can get better. So then I would start to talk and share my experience. I remember two weeks in, I was in the rooms and I was like, I just want to drink so badly so badly and this fucking dude was like he was like you should do it he was like do it then you want to do it you should do it and see how that works out for you and i was so very very mad that like here was this like old guy just telling you know here i am pouring my heart out telling him i want to drink and he was like fucking do it then and see how it works out you know and and then this woman came up to me and was like don't you know he's just being a Dick, here's my phone number if you need anything. And and uh, then I got a sponsor and was able to, like, work through that stuff instead of going to drink. Because some yeah. people would drink over that. That that would be a thing. It'd be like, I'll show that guy. That'd be funny if that guy, like, you don't realize it, but him and that woman are grifting people into sponsors. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just like, I'm going to trigger her, tell her to go drink, then you go play the good yeah. cop after and give her your number. And then they're like, we just got to meet our sponsor quota. Yeah. It's wild to think that that woman who helped me so much, I do not believe that she stayed sober as far as I know. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's also like, this is like going down a a hole. It's a rabbit hole for sure. You will find that like, if you choose to work program, which I do. And again, there's no right or wrong way. And also if you don't, you will the older you get, the more that time passes, the more people you know will die because of their addiction. And it's a very sad thing, and it's very surprising sometimes. Did did doing this, going through the program, because I didn't do a program. Uh-huh. I went um, very clumsily, uh, cold turkey. And with drinking, that was fine. With some of the other stuff, it was, it was not as good. Um, but when you went that route... Uh, whenever you went through this program and you're you're talking to people and you're learning, did they help you kind of guide what to do with those hours? Like how to get back to being productive? Or were you productive prior to like really sinking into the depths of alcoholism? I mean, I was always like, uh, no, I don't think I was. I mean, no, I would say productive, semi at work. I mean, I maintained my job. Yeah. I mean, I would say I was a productive person before, but I think that one of the things that I would do is just gaining hope from going to the meetings. 
But then they would say, like, do the next right thing. That was something that stood out to me. I recently, I so I love Stoic philosophy. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's Seneca says, if you want to be beautiful, do beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Make beautiful choices. And the idea, of course, is not just physical beauty, mm-hmm. but just if you want to be this thing, then you have to start immediately acting like this thing. Like, yes. even if you're going to do it wrong or whatever, yep. if you think in this mindset or whatever, eventually you'll turn the ship. Yes. So doing the next right thing for me would be like, I do not want to fold my clothes, but the next right thing for me to do is to fold my clothes. I do not want to go to this meeting, but the next right thing for me to do is to go to this meeting. I don't want to do this, but then... So it it was a lot of that and like forcing myself to do minimal shit. Right. Little things, make the bed or whatever. Uh, How did that translate for you in a creative aspect then? Because... If you're like me or like people that I know who've gotten sober, you feel empty for a while. Mm -hmm. You feel like, because this has been my biggest obstacle, honestly, with weed, which has been a thing that has made me pull back harsh Mm -hmm. is I used to think like at one point I was funny and I could write jokes and ideas and go do them. And then at some point there is this blend and I'm like, am I funny if I'm not like smoking or high or coming up? But Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that I am, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so how does that work? Cause I remember when I first stopped drinking, I was journaling a lot and in my journal, I mean, it's probably written 400 and you know, every page probably is just like, I can't find my humor. I can't find my humor. I can't. And it felt lost. It felt gone. And mm-hmm. I felt like a piece of me had died off. Oh my God. I'm getting unnecessarily emotional. Um, <laughs> but I felt like, Oh, um, <laughs> I just broke a priceless piece of art. I um but I felt a piece of me like like have you heard of phantom limb syndrome? Yeah. Like when someone loses a leg or yeah. something and they feel like it's there. I felt like it was there somewhere. And mind you, I'm sober in China mm. and I'm still doing stand up in China. But now I can't access this humor that I thought was in me and I, I could feel there was where it was supposed to be, but I couldn't access it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's still a journey for I me. See, yeah. I still, <laughs> I have that today still. I'm eight years sober. I still feel like there's something in me that's sort of lost. Where like do it. you, but what do you do when you feel like you sit down to write? You're like, today I'm going to I'm gonna sit down. I'm going to write the script I had an idea for or pieces I had an idea for. And then you sit down and you're like, Nothing. Nothing. Uh, I think that it's... So what I currently do is I do my very best to understand that it is part of the process to not have ideas all the time and that I have to think, am I comparing myself to other people and do I trust that like these jokes will come and I don't need to force it? So then if, if I sit down and have time and nothing comes to me, then I just do my best to let it go. I'm really fortunate that I have a great partner that I can be like, this is happening. I'm pretty frustrated about it. And he is so good about being like, this is normal. And like uh, allowing like to, to share that with someone is, and he is very good at reminding me that like what I'm feeling is normal. And then when the ideas do come, 
that is when I need to make sure that I'm going to Mike's. And so it's happened recently. I have two new jokes that have been working out very well. And I didn't have anything for a couple months. And so now I'm making sure that I'm going to Mike's, that I'm practicing this joke, that I'm running it by my other comedy friends and saying, what, what would you do here? You know, and, uh, and practicing that. Because that's all I can control. I can't make this shit come to me. Also, it's like, okay, I work from home, which is very nice. There are also some elements to that that are very boring. Oh, sure. And I'm at home all day, so I'm not interacting with people. So do I need to go out, you know, for an hour a day and do this? But I don't, I can't really because I'd use that time to take my dog out. But, um, But just knowing that, like, I need to get the fuck out of the house. I need to do something. I need to be around people. I need to... You know, not be an isolationist or anything. Exactly. So, I feel like doing things. If you, if you, instead of being in self pity of I don't have any jokes right now, Mm -hmm. it's like okay, get off my my bottom. I don't want to sound like Kim Kardashian because that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying like, in order for me to get out of self pity, I have to either write about it, talk about it, or um, do something about it, which. Sometimes it has nothing to do with writing jokes. It could just be, I'm going to go to the farmer's market. Yeah, so that's where I'm I'm finding myself now that I used to almost force it, where I would like pull old material out and try to sit there and scribble through and make changes. Um, but now, and my job is, it has when it rains, it pours. Mm-hmm. But when it's dead, it's hours of nothingness. Mm-hmm. So I have this availability to kind of keep a notepad that I can write an idea in and yeah. visit later. But but being able to walk out of my office and engage with an entire world around me pretty quickly has made an adjustment. With that, When I came home and COVID hit, that really was tough for me in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And I was really flailing and not sure what to do. And so I was I was always curious how other people we came out of the pandemic and so many people are like, look what I did. And I'm like, and I'm looking at my stuff. I'm like, am I a fraud? Cause I didn't do anything. You did too. You worked at comedy bar. Well, yeah. I mean, I did you stuff. You started a brand new job. <laughs> you know, that's it. I mean, that's alone in itself. You produced shows at comedy bar. I did. And I mean, I had these gains, but that's a good point because how much of it was stuff that, was I being selfish and that I wanted to be productive for for what I want? Yeah, <laughs> and not I mean, looking at the options. Yeah, and I think that there there's it's also too like with me, I'm like I am being I'm gauging my productivity on others, and like that's not a healthy thing for me to do. So it's a constant, it's a constant like you know if I see people that get on a specific show, I'm like I wonder why I didn't. Is it because my jokes are not this good. Do they not? Oh God, I need to write some new jokes. Maybe I got to do, you know, I'm doing a clean show tonight and that's not really me, mm-hmm. but I want the opportunity to try. I am in no way a clean comic. <laughs> Fuck shit, piss, hell, pussy. Damn. Yeah, um, I, if you haven't seen Allison, please go see her. She sounds so nice and this episode. Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I think no, I hear you. I I'm think like comparing my product. To, I think that's a bad thing for me to do. 
is, is a comparative productivity. But yeah. also because everybody's processing. So for you, this is interesting because you are a comedian. Yeah. But you also do sketches and act. And I mean, improv itself, obviously, is in the name. It's supposed to be on the spot. But sketch work, it's patience, it's time, and... You don't want to get your sketch team together to film if you don't have an idea. Oh, but we do. I well, Betcha, I know. Sketch yeah. does. We don't ever. We're just like we just meet up and just let it happen. To be fair, you it's have beautiful. three people that are extremely clever and playful, so true. that helps. True, true, true. But that's, that's yeah. Let's say in your past with uh, groups that you've worked with or, or projects, even your Darkest Hour project. Yeah, the Darkest Hour. You guys couldn't just get together and you'd be like, sorry guys, I just couldn't be productive this week. Yeah, no. How do you how do you face that? Because you don't know how you're going to wake up in the morning. That's a, that's a you know, it, that didn't really happen with me. You know, I don't want to let people down and I wanted to make this happen. And like with the Darkest Hour, the only, I, I produced it um with uh, a few other people and so when you're producing something you'll very quickly understand like what my personality i mean i'm in communications with my job mm -hmm. so my personality is very much ask you the question get the answer if i don't have the answer i'm going to find the answer I gotcha. but some people that's hard a lot harder for people mm -hmm. to do so i mean thinking about my job in the darkest hour that is sort of built in me i think from the beginning Okay. Um, I, so, but but you know also that there's a responsibility to your team, but that doesn't like for me. I think about this. Uh, there would be nights. Well, comedy bar is a good example. There would be times when I would show up to work at comedy bar to set up a show, and I would always get there a couple hours early, kind of monitor things. And there'd be sometimes where I would really procrastinate because I just couldn't feel it in me. To be like, and this is going to sound shitty, but like we did an open mic night that was spin the wheel. Uh -huh. It's my least favorite night of the week. Not because, look, we have, Nashville has incredible comedians. And there's a lot of comedians in Nashville that are really good stand-up comedians. As long as they can show up and just do their material. Uh -huh. But that night really showed a lot of people who don't know how to be flexible on stage. And it would happen week after week after week. <laughs> and I remember there was one night I showed up and I mean... We're already seating people, and I hadn't set the wheel up. We were, I'd barely gotten the audio equipment set up prior to people coming in to check in. And I was just like, I, I wanted to be good and do a good job. And I had the time, but I didn't take advantage of that like three hours to be productive. Instead, I sat in the back and just kind of lamented, like, well, oh, it's going to be a long fucking night. I mean, that's, that's, that's taking, you know, something that you're not really passionate about, you know, and like how many, that's, that is, I don't want to talk about my regular job here, but that's, that can be, so it's like that, well, that I think is where gratitude is really helpful. So I write down a lot how grateful I am for my job. Because it affords me these specific things. And so it helps me to, I'm really grateful for my coworkers most of the time. And like my boss is wonderful. Um, so I feel like, cause it's just a, it's a job. Yeah. You know, there's nothing great about it except for like, it's a great place to work. And <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like I could shit all over it. It is true. I think being able to look at something Despite the nature of it being like 
it takes my time, it takes this, yeah. but I should be thankful that because of this, I have a home, I have clothes, I have food, I have yeah. the freedom to financially free to be able to pursue some of these things. Yeah. Because I will say, I also have a, I have a new job that mm-hmm. has also changed my perspective and that one, I'm a part of something much bigger than myself, which mm-hmm. feels incredible. Finally, it, it lets me be a part of, and it makes me feel like a whole person that this job is going to allow me the freedom financially and time-wise to pursue these other things that I love. And for the first time, I'm, I don't, they're not competing against each other. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to love one over the other. Yeah. And that's, um, that's a unique feeling that changes how I approach both jobs now. Yeah. And I wonder for you, you know, do you emulate or did you have to look at productivity that other people were doing? Like I have a book Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I should have brought it with me. I'm such an idiot. Uh, but it's a book that talks about these famous people and what their process was to get work done. No. So you never look at another person. Like there was one that was like, gets up every morning, 5 a.m., goes for a long walk no because way. all of his thoughts come from nature and all this. That. No, I ain't doing Well, that. I know you, Allison, I, I know you're not going to get up at 5 and go for a nature walk. Um, so we'll just kind of round out. We'll round things out because I think we could, we could get really deep into this. My whole point with bringing up the um, the book about productivity, yeah, is it was good for me to see that I grew up in a house where my dad is a hardworking guy, and he would just wake up and go. You know, he would. This mm-hmm. is a task to get done. This is a task to get done. And in my head, that was the model for productivity. And then when I stopped drinking. I didn't know how to be productive in a different way. So then when I couldn't complete these tasks, I felt, oh, I'm letting myself down. I'm letting everyone down. I am a loser. I am a failure. It's easy to feel like a like a degenerate or a burnout because you didn't feel like you're meeting this high bar of productivity. So that's why I was curious for you when you're coming out of being um, in the depths of it and you're trying to find your new you, how did you approach, like, this is how I know I'm being productive. This is okay not to chastise myself, especially early on. Um, early on, it was just doing the next right thing. What is the next right thing? The thing that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Being sober for me, and this sounds shitty, but it, it, it is actually a very good thing. It is a lot about doing things that I do not want to do. And that's just like kind of part of being a human person so it's kind of bratty to think about but like it it is straight up like just doing things that I don't want to do and I think you've hit on this a couple times now is that I did hear once that self-discipline that it takes to kind of be sober and to be this person is almost exactly that it's self-discipline it's for yourself so you can't you can't kind of push your ideals onto someone else on how to be disciplined and so that's why I'm always constantly exploring new ideas of how to be disciplined to put into myself rather than, well, I do this, I do that. So I think it's sometimes hard for people to explain their way of being disciplined. Yeah, because it's it's interesting that you say self-disciplined because when I was drinking, I would pray. So I'm not religious and we'll, we will talk about oh, this. Oh, we will. Um, I'm not a religious person, but I do pray to what? <laughs> couldn't tell you, <laughs> but I do pray. And, um, when I was definitely more religious when I was drinking than I am now. 
And I would pray to God when I was drinking to please give me the self-discipline to stop drinking so much. And, um, you know, now I do ask whatever my higher power is, the universe, whatever. I ask, you know, help me this, help me that. So I ask sometimes to, like, give me the strength to do this. So that's also something that I do to help be not even productive is just do the next right thing, basically. Do you wonder if like having that moment, I, and we'll dive into this when we talk about religion a little bit more, but that moment of vulnerability being like, I do need help. Do you think that allows you to have that kind of peace about that it's tough, that it's a struggle, that like sometimes even though you've been at it for eight years, that sometimes it's still like you need to remind yourself that it doesn't mean I have it perfected or down pat. Yeah, that I can't do it alone. You mm-hmm. know, it is really that I can. I just really can't rely on myself to have all the answers for for me. And mm-hmm. some people are like, "Well, I do, and it works for me." And that's you know that's great. But I'm not always right, and I always I don't always know what to do. So I think that when I say like I need help with this. You know, a lot of times it's because I've talked to my therapist about it. I've I've talked to my partner about it, and I and I it's still happening, and that's the most frustrating thing. Mm-hmm. So you know, I mean, some of us, <laughs> me, uh, you know, we hit that point and we're like, well, we tried hard. I guess we'll just fall off the stumbling block <laughs> and just start <laughs> if you just start all over tomorrow, you know. But it, I think something that has brought yeah. me peace recently has been there's a bit of philosophy again. My wife is so annoyed with my. Something about being sober has made me like just really lean into philosophy. Oh, yeah. But um, one of the things uh, in there that I've really clung to is like you put off today or you put off to tomorrow what you could accomplish today and how arrogant you must be to believe that you'll be alive to accomplish it tomorrow. Mm. And so this idea of like when people are like me specifically, like I'm going to stop tomorrow. Like I'm going to do this today, but I'll mm. stop tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, we practice death every time we go to sleep. Like we close our eyes with no knowledge of if we'll wake up, right? You just mm-hmm. go to sleep. And, um, but it's arrogant. It's arrogant to be like, well, I'm in enough control in the world, in my life that I'll do it tomorrow. I'm sure that I can wake up and do it tomorrow, but I couldn't even fathom doing it today. So I've never thought idea. about it that way. It's yeah. interesting. It's a good way for me to hang on yeah. to, <laughs> to, to like following through, being productive today because, you know, I may not have that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, well, this was probably the least funny episode we've, we've yeah. done of the four. Some of these are not going to be funny. <clears throat> I agree. I think so. Um, is there anything you want to put out there in the world? I would like for, I hope that you uh, share and like this mm. if, if you're struggling Please reach out for help. There's resources online. Okay. um, We'll see you next episode. Goodbye.